Welcome to Not Lost in the Crowd. I'm Galen Pogue, a certified empowerment coach with a passion for helping people who want to make a difference find their way forward. On the podcast, I interview everyday pioneers and proven leaders from all walks of life who share their vision, their journeys, and their insight to help light your way as you find your voice, find your audience, and become one of the next generation of change makers. Our world needs your voice in a bigger way. So come on, let's do this thing together. Welcome to Not Lost in the Crowd. I'm your host, Galen Pogue. Today on the podcast, I'll be speaking with Alexandra De Palma. Alex is an audio producer, teacher, and co-founder of Domino Sound, which is a queer, disabled, black woman-owned production studio and boutique diversity consulting agency, creating authentically inclusive, innovative, and provocative multimedia content. Alex is the executive producer of the queer hit podcast, Food for Thought, HBO's Between the World and Me podcast, and The Cheat Code. I met Alex in the wildly successful podcasting workshop, which she co-founded along with the best-selling author and marketing expert Seth Godin. Prior to founding Domino Sound, Alex ran the brand studio Stitcher, produced television at Fusion and CNN, and a daily news show at Minnesota Public Radio. I wanted to have Alex on today because, as an experienced audio producer and co-founder of the podcasting workshop, helping people find their voice and find their audience has been her job, joy, and preoccupation for her entire career. I am honored to welcome this generous, heartfelt, creative powerhouse to the podcast. Alex, welcome to Not Lost in the Crowd. It's great to have you here. Wow, thank you so much, Galen. That I'm smiling so hard. That intro was beautiful. And you're a professional voice actor. I think in addition to this podcast, you should be submitting reels. Your voice is incredible. You're reading. Fabulous. Well, Love it. Thank you for having me. <laughs> my pleasure. Just an aside, uh, mm -hmm. my degree, theater. I had a former life as an actor. So that serious? might have something okay, to do with it. Okay, that makes sense. It's very much the enunciation. The it's I can see it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I am so, so grateful to have you here today. And I love that I get to ask you this first question. Okay. Whose voice did you love listening to as a child? And whose voice do you love listening to now that you're an adult? So it came to mind so, so easily. I loved listening to Rafi as a child. <laughs> I mean, I haven't thought That's of Rafi hilarious. in so long. But that question just took me, it, it did something where it took me back. It was almost like a portal to the backseat of my parents' car, listening to Raffi tapes like Baby Beluga, all the other stuff. I can only <laughs> think of Baby Beluga right now, but um, that voice, I think after this recording, I want to go back and listen to some songs because I don't remember his voice. I just remember as a child loving 
hearing that and begging to hear that. Were you going on, were you taking like a long road trip somewhere when this would be on or what? Not at all. I, the memory, it's just so bizarrely clear. I, I, it's just a memory of pulling into my driveway as a child listening to that song, not a road trip, nothing like that. Just anywhere driving around doing errands with my parents. Wow. It was all Raffi all the time. Yeah. All Raffi all the time. It's just so (laughs) strange to me how that question popped, sparked that such a vivid memory, but I'm happy now. I love it. That's cool. And then wait, so the second part was, it was. And now that you're an adult, who do you love listening to and why? My favorite voice to listen to, and I'm so lucky because I work with him on a podcast. His name is Tommy Teeps Pico. He is the co-host of Food for Thought, and he is a poet, now a screenwriter. And I do think that this has to do with his voice. He So as a, I, I learned about him as a poet, and his whole thing is kind of like, poetry readings can be extremely boring. So when he goes up to the mic to read poetry, it is unbelievable. He, he's very much an actor. And this, like you were talking about being trained as an actor, it's a performance. It's he's modulating his voice. He's singing. He is not doing a poetry reading. It's, it's a vocal performance. And we work on the podcast together. I also have recorded and produced some of his audiobooks. He reads his own poetry. And now he's a screenwriter in Hollywood. And it's kind of unheard of, but he will be writing characters for shows. And then when he's kind of in the writer's room, voicing the dialogue, the directors and the people in the room are like, you just need to play this character. So now he's also an actor on some of these shows, which is, I mean, he's also gorgeous, all these things, charismatic, but I really do think it's his voice. And so it's not only the quality of his voice, he's He's just a brilliant person, and I love all of his books of poetry. I think he has a, a pretty big audience in Seattle, actually. I know he does a lot of events out there. But I would not be surprised voice. at all. Yeah, he's the voice that I love to hear most and that I learn the most from now in adulthood. Okay, so this podcast is created for you know a lot of different people doing a lot of different things, but they're all working on finding their voice, finding their audience. And I'm going to guess that some amount of those people, they've probably heard of a podcast before, Mm -hmm. but I don't think they know just what a podcast producer does. Right. So would you be able to just give the quick and dirty on what does a podcast producer do? Uh, And then the basics of how did you become a podcast producer? That's a good question because I have a friend who's a producer who has this t-shirt that always makes me laugh. And it's like, it's such a silly t-shirt out. It's like writer writes, singer sings. And then it's like producer question mark, question mark, question mark. Cause there, <laughs> there's so many different things that producers can do. I mean, as you know, from the theater, there's theater producers, there are film producers. And so I'm an audio producer, podcast producer, specifically in my case, what that means, especially because I'm an independent audio producer is getting shit done A to Z. You know what I mean? In my case, that means identifying talent, working with talent to develop a concept for a podcast. In some cases, that's me developing a concept for a podcast and finding talent to go along with it. It is coming up with a format for the podcast, an outline for the podcast, recording the podcast, coaching the talent into being better vocally or on air as a host. It's then editing the podcast, adding music. There are people who are much more specific. So there are producers who only do sound design, for instance, which is really, in a lot of cases, its own job. I have not been trained as a sound designer. I would love to learn more about it and add that to my repertoire, but that's something that I would hand off. I would hand off my podcast to a sound designer and engineer to make the sound perfect and add some sound design. 
And then afterwards I publish it, put it out in the world and do my own little bit of marketing. I like to focus more on the creative production aspect of it because there are also producers who, I think we talk about it in terms of like creative producers versus, I don't even know what we call the other producers, especially in film world where it's Mm -hmm. like the producers with the money, you know, especially in film and TV, there'll be credits of producers who are basically just involved in And those are usually called executive producers in Hollywood, right? So you executive produce some of these podcasts, but it means something different. But it means something different, at least in the way we use it in audio world and podcast world. Let me use a specific example. An executive producer would develop the content and build the team and probably be the sign off on all the episodes. They'll listen to all the final cuts and make final notes. Mm -hmm. And that's executive producing in podcast world. (laughs) It's kind of like always the overseeing everything rather than a senior producer or a producer producer will be on the ground doing all the little work, you know, uh-huh. it's very vague and it can change. But I mean, the bottom line is get shit done, really. The other question I had about it is I wonder how much creative expression you get to do. I know that sometimes you write some of the scripts mm-hmm. for it. Obviously, you get to do a little bit probably with the creating the structure, but mm-hmm. would you? say that it allows you to express your voice at all in working with some projects? I think that it does. I think my creativity can come out in terms of the selection of the projects that I take on. So like, I feel like my creativity will come out in, in deciding what I want to work on, what projects will kind of feed that creativity. For example, myself and Kenya at Domino are revamping a podcast that has 85 episodes. It's, it's called A Little Juju Podcast, incredible podcast about Black spirituality, all different kinds of of aspects of spirituality. And Juju, who's the host, has been doing it independently for 85 episodes, found Domino Sound, hired us to basically revamp the whole thing. So kind of like make segments, reformat it, change the sound of it, add sound design. And so you can get creative in that sense. And then also Mm. get creative in terms of guiding the conversations where you want them to go. So it's about coming up with topics for the shows, coming up with episode ideas. I think that's the area that I like being creative in. And I also like working with other creative people who honestly are a lot more creative than me. I like collaborating. Let's leave it at that. I like collaborating. And more creative than you. With, Come on. <laughs> not more. Right. You know, you're right. You're right. Not necessarily more, but in different ways. Like I love working with authors, for instance, you know, or writers who are creative in, in different ways. And I think that kind of collaboration is fun. One. And also in audio it can turn out a really cool product, you know, somebody who's in a different artistic field. I can totally relate. You know, when I was learning theater, it was all about us doing each other's jobs so that we would work together to create something. Yeah, exactly. I had, that's my one regret is not doing theater. Kenya, my partner, is a huge theater kid. And I so regret being an athlete instead of a theater kid. Well, you're in the right town if you want to dabble with it. <laughs> That's true. I know, Which, right? by the way, she's in, she's in Brooklyn, New York, just for listeners out there. Brooklyn, New York. I took an acting class during the pandemic. It was, it was over Zoom, so it wasn't in person, but it was one of my greatest fears was to do something like that. And after doing it, I loved it. <laughs> I, was so, I loved it so much. I mean, I was so nervous when I yeah. would have to do my monologue just over Zoom, but it was incredible. 
Oh my God, there's so much to get to. I could talk to you forever, um, <laughs> really efficiently. Could you just hit the bullet points of like how you became a podcast producer and then um, also started working in the podcast workshop? And just bear in mind, most of my li listeners probably don't know Seth Godin as big as he is. Listen, I didn't either. I had no idea. So I, this is a good practice for me to be efficient as well. So I went to Columbia University. My first major was going to be Greek history. Then I ended up majoring in English, both honestly completely useless for jobs. After that, I decided to go to grad school. This was in 2009. So this was when jobs were not great. Went to grad school. It was really one of those situations where I was like, what grad school should I go to? Like, Doctor, no. Lawyer, no. Journalism school. That seems like something that would make sense. That seems like something I'd be interested in. I say that because it wasn't like I felt like I had this really strong calling. Go to journalism school at NYU. Take a radio class. I have a professor who says you have a really good voice for radio. I go in the radio class. Fabulous radio class taught by, I think he was a WNYC reporter. And during that process, I realized I really liked production. I didn't love my voice on the air and being the host. I don't know. Maybe it was a self-conscious thing, but I did love the production aspect. And so after journalism school, and I got a job in Minnesota at Minnesota Public Radio, never in a million years would have thought I would go to Minnesota just because I'm from the East Coast, from New Haven, Connecticut, Minnesota, the Midwest didn't even cross into my consciousness at any point, but they had a great public radio program there. And you know, it was my first job. It was the best job I got. So I was like, let me go. Well, and I can't resist saying my first podcast I ever got introduced to came from a radio show called On Being. Which was from APM, Minnesota Public Radio. Right. So they were very iconic. I've had a few nice dinners with Krista, actually, because she was really good friends with the host of the show I worked on. Her name was Carrie Miller. She was an amazing host, hosted a radio program there three hours of live radio a day, a morning show. It was definitely one of those things, graduating from school, getting thrown all the way in the deep end. That was just a lot. So after that, hated Minnesota. I'm sorry to anyone listening in Minnesota. It just wasn't, it was the weather. It wasn't you. It was the weather. Well, you're a beach kid, I'm a right? Beach, you I, like? I, I, yes, exactly. I'm a beach person. And there was, the lakes were great and the weather was great for those six days or whatever. No, it has good weather for a few months. But then at that point, I just couldn't deal with that weather anymore. Got a job offer in Miami working in television. And also at that point, just public radio, especially in Minnesota, people went there from when they were interns and then they retired there. It was the same people working there. There was not a lot of turnover. There were not a lot of young people. I was what, 23 at the time. And I was like, I need, I need a change. So I tried, I wanted to try working in television, went to Miami, did that. Honestly, the television production coming from audio, there's so many more elements. You have to learn how to do video. You have to have the big cameras. You couldn't do it on your own. You needed an entire team to edit video and to do video. And it made me really miss audio production. And so... Plus, you were working mostly in short form, right? In and, short form and, and TV news. And yeah, you yeah. like long form storytelling, exactly, right? Exactly, exactly. And it really was a situation where I kind of wanted to get out of the daily news cycle. You know, that was even before things got as crazy as they have. And basically at that point, while I was working in TV, serial happened, podcasting happened. And I was thinking this is a perfect time to get back into audio. And I also wanted to move back to New York. 
So I ended up getting a job at Stitcher, which is a podcast company. But since I had kind of been out of the game for a few years, I, I had I wasn't a podcast producer. I had been a public radio producer. So the only job I could get was running this branded podcast studio, which it's not a bad job. It's just a whole different thing than public radio. In a lot of companies, it's considered a marketing job. It, it is audio production, but it's much more on the sales and marketing side rather than like the creative side. But I was like, I can get my foot in the door by doing this. Let me just get back into podcasting and then I'll deal with it from there, which honestly was the right move. So I, I became a podcast producer, transitioned from public radio producer to podcast producer, working on these branded shows. But at the same time, in my free time, I was working on Food for Thought. So that was when we started Food for Thought, which we talked about a little at the beginning. It was one of, it was really one of the original queer podcasts that came out in like 2015, 2016, which seems crazy to think about now, but there were much fewer podcasts in 2015. And so it was kind of one of the first podcasts that really gained traction in the queer community. And at that time, I had my full-time job at Stitcher. We were doing that show completely out of pockets, paying for studio time. And then eventually Food for Thought takes off. Um, still not making money from that, though. During my time at Stitcher, I was assigned to Seth Godin's podcast. I was assigned to produce Seth's podcast. I, as I alluded before, I had no idea who Seth Godin was. People were like, wow, you're going to work with Seth Godin. And I looked him up and everything, but I had no idea who he was. And he invited me to his office, upstate New York, to have lunch and talk about the podcast. And we just really hit it off. And we collaborate really well together. And so we worked on his weekly podcast, Akimbo, right before I got on this call, scheduled to publish for tomorrow episode 250 or something. He Which does, is we do one it. of my favorite podcasts. And, you know, again, just because a lot of people listening to my podcast probably don't know who he is, I can hardly find the words to express. I know. People call people thought leaders out there. The way he thinks is incredible. Um, it really is. So he's definitely a thought leader. He's uh, has a legacy of of over four decades rethinking the difference between marketing and advertising. But then he's really for a long time switched to changing the way we educate or, or the way that we learn. He would say learn, not educate. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah. Changing the way and that we learn. He's got a particular, and I'm sorry, I'm stealing your thunder no, a little please. here. But no, no, no. I love hearing your, 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 how you're putting it. He has a uh, YouTube video called Stop Stealing Dreams that, mm -hmm. you know, if you want to get just a taste of the way he starts to think about how we learn in, for the 21st century. And then he's built this whole series of workshops, him and his team at Akimbo, and then... And the podcasting workshop. Yeah, I'm glad you kind of went into that because saying marketing expert and best-selling author does not even begin to encompass what Seth is. And I think, yes, I love the Stop Selling Dreams. Great place to start. Also his blog, because blog every day I get his blog in my inbox and every single day I read it and it makes me think a little, you know, not just a little, like sometimes more than a little. He came over and had lunch with my partner and my dad recently. And my dad had never met him before, just subscribed to his blog. And after that lunch, it was like a two hour lunch, quick not a big thing. And he left and my yeah. dad was just like, wow. Like, it was just literally mind blown emoji. You know what I mean? It's like, I don't even know what just happened right now, but that was incredible hearing him, hearing such a speak. So very grateful to be working with him. He drives me insane. Can I just say that? <laughs> I love him, but I his concepts drive me bananas because 
you can chew on them for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so his concept of specificity, maybe this is a good segue or something, yeah. but in my own development, uh, mm-hmm. try, uh, finding my voice and my audience, specificity drives me insane. You seem to be less in- driven insane by it. So maybe right. you, you have some good context for it. I still do it. get driven insane. So specificity, I, I know Seth talks about this, the way I think about this and the way I've thought about this at Domino Sound, our production company, is really encouraging ourselves when we're developing ideas and talent that we're developing ideas with to lean into being as specific as possible with what you want to cover, what you want to talk about and who your audience is going to be. And so it is just a natural instinct when you're building something, I think in a lot of ways to want to go as broad as possible to appeal to as many people as possible. Like when you think I'm going to give you an example. So Kenya and I are developing a podcast right now. We have five episodes, five interviews in the can, and we're going to launch it hopefully in the next few months. It's called Podcast World. And it is a podcast about the podcasting industry and podcasters in it. And can you get any more niche than that? It's very, very niche. It's conversations with all kinds of people in the podcast industry, from producers to hosts to podcast agents who are now in Hollywood. I wouldn't call it as niche as it can be, though, because I look at some of the podcasts that are produced by Domino Sound like the Raising Rebels, where it's kind of oppressed un- parents oppressed that parents are raising, raising free children. Free children. Yeah. I love that you did your research. Yes. That might even be more specific. Right. That's true. It's exactly yeah. right, right, right. So comparing that to that, it, it, I find it's hard for me to get a reference of, well, when am I general? You know, when is it too general? Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, I think too general, I, another example is like, so the cheat code, which you mentioned at the beginning, the cheat code is a podcast that we produced that ended up being a total indie hit, maybe being adapted for television, but it was a true story of an affair told by um, one man, one woman who had the affair. It's very juicy, but it's also very much about real shit about relationships. They both were married. They both had kids on the way when they met. And it was a huge deal for them to leave their partners, blow up their entire lives to try and find true love. So it's very juicy, but it's also nuanced really about relationships. I bring this up because we met with the talent who were friends of friends. We met them at a bar to do them a favor Mm -hmm. and consult on their podcast idea. Their original podcast idea, we always talk about this, was called The Sunday Brunchers. And it was going to be about just whatever books they liked, whatever TV shows they liked, whatever, you know, magazines they were into just like totally that that's broad. That is too broad. If you're saying I'm going to make a podcast about whatever I was into this week, that's too broad. I do think that maybe some of the very original podcasts, you could get away with that and build a following. But I think at this point, Unless you're like an influencer or a YouTuber who already has some built-in audience, you can't really get away with just talking about that because there's so many podcasts. Who's going to want to listen to any random person just talking about any random thing? There's no hook there and there's no way for anyone to read a description of that and say, oh, that's what I'm interested in. And so I I don't know how to say like what the litmus test is for too broad. But you know it. So when you go into these conversations with people, you can just feel it, right? If something is too broad and and when you get that spark of, oh, that's interesting, we'll go there. Is that how you navigate when you're helping somebody find their voice as a podcast producer? Yeah, exactly. Well, in that meeting with the Cheat Code Talent, we said okay, this is way too broad. But during that conversation, because we were at a bar having drinks, 
And we found out about the relationship story, completely aside from the, the conversation we were having about the podcast they wanted to produce. And then we were like, okay, this is your podcast. This is the podcast is about the story of your relationship and how you met and how all this craziness involved in this. It definitely takes a producer to convince somebody to do something that vulnerable. That in particular was quite a bit of work because that's an extremely personal, emotional story. But it's so compelling. But it's so compelling. And that's the thing. I think people will understand when you say the Sunday brunchers isn't going to get any traction and that doesn't really make any sense for what you're trying to do versus you have something here. You have your story. If you think about your story in a different way, this is compelling. And so I do think Yes, when we're talking to people who are interested in podcasting, for instance, if it's an author who wants to talk about books, we have to get more specific. It's going to be a certain genre of book or a certain type of author, basically just really leaning into that particular person's actual interest, basically encouraging people not to think I need to be as broad as possible to reach the broadest audience. I don't think this is Seth. He talks about it. Somebody else but the smallest viable audience, oh, which is very real. The smallest that's, viable that's audience That's another thing that kills me. But that is real. Viable. What is viable? It's so, it's so totally whatever viable is for each person. That's a good point. That's a good point. <laughs> like, I don't know what's viable I for think, me. I don't, I, have, do think, I don't have enough listeners yet to know when it's viable. <laughs> that's actually a really good point. For instance, I think of it as engaged. Listeners who are engaged. So for instance, Food for Thought has a fan base who is constantly interacting with us. We're yeah. constantly getting emails. We're constantly getting DMs, tweets. They're very engaged. And even though it's not 100,000 listeners, it's probably more like 25 or 30,000 listeners, which is really good. That's really, really good. That audience is extremely engaged. And there are ways, it's, it's hard in podcasting to measure engagement, but there are ways to do it. And I think it's through interaction. A lot of independent podcasters use Patreon or Substack and you can kind of get a gauge on. And, I, and Seth talks about this too. People who will miss you if you're gone. I think that is a way of thinking of viable. What I always wonder though, is it's that very first starting point, Yeah. right? You know, you know, you got something going. Mm -hmm. If you even have a thousand listeners, I think, but those first, those first 10, 100, yeah. you know, whatever, can you start where you are? Yeah. Can you start with I'm thinking of this too. your parents and friends and people that that know you and love you and like uh, I this yeah. is one of the things that as I was exploring this topic for us ahead of time it it almost seems like you have to start at general you know where else can you start yeah. like uh, yeah. so the way I phrased it was can you just start by making stuff based on your own interests or presenting your own idiosyncratic personality mm. and worldview is that enough of a place to start mm -hmm. because there's part of it is it has to be something you're interested in and fascinated in right you have to have some stake in it you can't make it just yeah. for others yeah. and it can't be just for you it right. has to be something that helps other people you know they want to listen to mm -hmm. right i mean i think your podcast is a really good example of this and how you're approaching it i mean because when you introduced the show maybe this was uh -huh. off mic but when you were giving me the the prep on your show you're talking with helpers you're talking with people who are doing good in the world and then eventually throughout those conversations, maybe you'll hone in on a specific type of helper that you want to focus on or a specific. I don't think there's anything wrong whatsoever with starting on the broader side 
And then throughout those conversations, figuring out what really piques your interest and potentially getting more specific. But I think you have a pretty good sense of who you want your audience to be and who you want your conversations to be. It with. just still seems broad. That's all. Right. You know, people who want to make change in the world. I guess I would say there's people that are content with doing good work, but never becoming a movement or becoming something big. And I'm talking to the people that have a a, a long-term desire for this change to to become more than just something with uh, you know individuals they meet. Is that specific? Honestly, what just sparked in my mind, imagine something if you did many seasons or something, let's say like 10 episodes with people who are making change by via policy. That sounds boring. You're right though. That gets a lot more specific. Or another 10 episode season where people are doing, making change through education. Anything like Seth could be one of those, somebody who's like changing the way we volunteer in classrooms or something. And then another season of 10 episodes where it's people creating change via art, you know what I mean? And activism. Like, so it's kind of like getting specific in that way. And it could be season by season, you know, to make it a little more organized, but that's great. That's (laughs) great. The phrase that just popped into my line was like, pick a lane, (laughs) but you can, it doesn't have to be that lane forever. That's what I love. I really do like that about podcasting because it's, it's flexible. You can make it kind of into whatever you want, you know? Right. You still don't seem satisfied or convinced, but I'm going to think I'm going to work on. No, no, that was incredibly helpful. As simple as it sounds, I guess I don't even know how to think about picking a lane. Right. (laughs) So just to be reminded, yes, this is good. And, you know, go down this road once, then go down that road. once. I mean, every single person I talk to about wanting a podcast, especially business clients, want the next How I Built Uh This. How I Built... Are you familiar with How I Built This? No. I think it started out as an NPR radio show. So basically, How I Built This is a podcast where the, the host is talking to people who built huge businesses from scratch. That's kind of broad, but at the same time, it's not that broad. Go and look at the people who are his guests, and it's very much people who built the biggest businesses that we now know. I guess it's not as specific as, for instance, a, a podcast for Black parents. Uh-huh. You know, it's it's still broad, but it's very clear. Like you're going to be hearing conversations from business leaders, but that is broad. Right. I mean, I think (laughs) what I'm getting from this is just that I I think you're going to be in some sweet spot, hopefully, uh, that's going to be broad and specific in a way. Exactly. Exactly. I think I struggle with specificity in the same way that I struggle with perfectionism. Mm Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like, yes, it's never specific enough, right? Or yeah, yeah. Or but that's a, that's just right. another flavor of it's not polished enough. It's, I could ask better questions. It's you know, there's a million ways you exactly. can do perfectionism, and specific can be that too. And ahead of us launching podcast world, every single day, I keep being like, "This is so specific. Who the hell is going to listen to this? It's so specific." And even hearing you say it's actually not that specific, you know, like it's. I think it is. You, we get in our heads. So you know? okay, last thing yes. before, but yes. I mean, if it's yes. not if it's not specific. Yeah. Does it just need to be meaningful? (sighs) Okay. Now, yes, meaningful or entertaining. A lot of people now, and this is something that is actually supported by surveys and data that I'm finding very interesting in podcast world is previously a lot of 
people would say that they listen to podcasts to learn something. That was very much the thing. You would listen to a podcast to be smarter, to have something to talk about at your dinner party. Those were all things that people said very often. And now it has very much shifted. People now say, especially young people, they want to listen to a podcast to be entertained, which is a huge shift. And that's a very different zone than listening for educational purposes Mm -hmm. or for learning something because meaningful, maybe it's just how my mind works. Meaningful is almost more pressure than entertaining because creating something entertaining could be anything. Like you could get up there, you know, on your mic and make some jokes. Obviously it's more nuanced than that, but entertaining is a different bar than meaningful. Mm -hmm. So I do think it could be entertaining. It could be meaningful, could be super specific, but it does have to be different. I think if it's entertaining, you have to really think, who are you trying to entertain? Because think of all the different senses of humor that people have. So you have to hone in on who you want to be entertaining, who you want to be educating, who you want to be meaningful to. But I do think that is a good way to think of it. We're going to have to leave it here. (laughs) I I know. I know. There's a lot. We're going to do part two. Is there there anything you would like to... uh, give a shout out to that you'd like to introduce my listeners to like projects you're working on mm-hmm. that deserve to have great listeners or more listeners or well stay tuned for podcast world and follow domino sound at domino sound co on instagram for updates definitely i want to shout out independent podcasters because you're one of them all of our students are one of them as you know from being a student in the podcast workshop seth and i always talk about do not go into this to start your own podcast expecting to make a ton of money But I do think there is so much that you can get from being an independent podcaster that isn't necessarily money. And I respect all of the independent podcasters who are doing it and making their episodes and learning from it and having a good time. So just shout out indie podcasters. Cool. And so if they want to find out more about your work, dominosound.co. Dominosound.co is the website and dominosoundco on Instagram is the Instagram. Okay. or just search Domino and Sound and you can get all the updates. For people there, yeah. that are aspiring podcasters or just to maybe, maybe I should try that. The podcasting workshop. Yes. The podcasting workshop is launching again in September, podca- the co- 11th cohort. So we're actually doing some revamps. I'm bringing on Kenya, my partner at Domino Sound to co-teach with Seth and I, which is going to be cool. We're bringing in some new ideas, new talent. We're going to try and do weekly conversations with people in the industry, podcasters. I would love to actually open it up to people in the cohort and alums. So hopefully I'll, you'll be hearing about that too. But it's launching in September. Podcastclub.link is the website for that. So check out podcastclub.link. You can sign up now and get notifications for when it's going to launch. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to let you Thank go. You Thank so you so much for having me. This was so fab. Thank you, Galen. You're such a great host. I love you. <sighs> love you. Thank you. Keep stay well in Seattle. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that episode today. Just a quick note before you leave. As I mentioned in the intro to the show, I am a certified empowerment coach, and I work with people just like you who want to make an even bigger impact on the world. Look, we've all got our blind spots, and the journey is just way faster and more fun when you've got that trained professional that has unshakable faith in you along for the ride. So if you're just chomping at the bit to move forward, email me at galen at emboldencoaching.com. That's 
G-A-E-L-E-N at E-M-B-O-L-D-E-N coaching.com. And we'll set up a free strategy session to see if empowerment coaching is that game changer that you've been looking for. Thanks again for everyone who tuned in. Until next time, find your voice, find the people who need to hear from you, and let's go change the world.